freaking frack over there. Max might need that fire extinguisher after all. <laughs> Burn. Eating garlic 24-7. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 11, Toy House. According to Google, this is the one where, when Max rescues his mother from a kitchen fire, she faces her suspicions about his extraordinary abilities. Liz reaches out to Kyle in friendship. This episode was written by John Harmon Feldman and Jason K. Timms. This is John Harmon Feldman's second of two Roswell episodes that he has a writing credit on. The episode was directed by Michael Fields. This is the only Roswell we get him for. He directed one episode of a bunch of teen shows, which everyone seems to have been doing at the time. But he also directed nine episodes of Veronica Mars over all four seasons of that show. So look out for his name if you're watching Veronica Mars. And this episode aired on the 19th of January, 2000. That's almost exactly 20 years before our episode is airing. Ooh. That's funny. Synergy. And we open on this flashback that I can only describe as Hitchcockian because it's creepy birds. <laughs> That's a good point. Quite Hitchcockian. I just tagged it as weird opening, dot, mm -hmm. dot, dot. And then when I realized it was like a copy of a home movie that we're going to see a bunch of times later. I was like, okay, this makes more sense. I remember this now. Right. But in isolation, it was weird. My thought was also, I don't know if you've ever tried to like follow a bird through a viewfinder that is flying. It's not easy to like keep it on the bird as it's flying like that. It was uh, some pretty impressive camera work. Well, great. Great job, Mr. Evans. Yeah. Philip? Is that his Maybe name? Maybe his job that he's traveling for is as a cinematographer. Oh, yeah. It would make sense. He's just not really around, but makes sense. He's working hard on, on site? No. On location. Uh, on location. He's working hard yes. on location. And since he's gone, Mom is putting just like eight full cloves of garlic in this pan of food that she's cooking. That is my kind of cooking. I will eat whatever she is making. All the garlic, please. <laughs> I also really love garlic, but like garlic should go first. Not like when all the stuff is already cooked, you throw in full cloves. I feel like if you're doing like a stir fry or something, I don't know about you, I always put garlic and ginger in the oil first and then everything else. But to each yes. your own. You're supposed to do your aromatics first and let yeah, them exactly. cook for a minute or two first. Yeah, I also didn't understand why she eats so poorly when the dad is out of town. Like, does he have a heart condition and he can't eat this stuff? Does she have a heart condition and she shouldn't be eating this stuff? And she's hiding it from him. It's just a weird thing. She's like, you know how I get when your dad is out of town. Yeah. Like, what? You're a grown woman. You're fine. Also, making a stir fry isn't particularly unhealthy. I mean, it depends on how much oil you put in it. I guess just he doesn't like garlic. Yeah, maybe it's the garlic thing. So Max is just chatting with mom in the kitchen and there's like, 
oh, another case of, does anyone in this show watch the show where she's like, oh, Liz is the one who came by the other day, right? And I'm like, yes, she's also the one that your son introduced you to when he was in the hospital after his near-death experience, and you two seemed very pleased to meet each other, and it seemed like he had already told you about her. So cool. I guess she <laughs> didn't remember that traumatic experience. She also, like, knowing all of that, still, when he was like, something about my lab partner, she's pretty good, and mom was like, oh, she... Your lab partner is a girl. It's like, yes, he goes to a co-ed school. You know, like all because his lab partner is a girl doesn't really mean anything. But okay. Um, So we learn an important lesson here to when you're done using the oil, put the cap back on or just like use your eyes and look around if you are able. Maybe don't put it directly next to the burner. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a gigantic computer generated, very unconvincing fire. Yeah. Uh, but Max puts it out real quick. Mm-hmm. Waves his hand over it. I mean, pours water. Right. Well, so the pan that she's holding in her hand as she jumps out of the way or he pushes her out of the way or whatever is clearly on fire. Mm-hmm. And so he, like, magics that first and then magics the counter and then, like, splashes a little water onto it. So even if water did put out grease fires, which, as we learn later, it doesn't, she would theoretically be like, oh, wait, wasn't I holding a thing in my hand that had flames leaping at my face? What happened to those? Uh-huh. I'm, like, just really disappointed in Max's mom here. Everybody should know that water doesn't put out a grease fire. Yeah. Also, do they not have a fire extinguisher? True. Do we have to start telling people about bleach and ammonia and how that's also dangerous? Or if you smell gas, leave a space? Like, these are common knowledge safety things. She should have known that. Well, then we wouldn't have the drama of the TV show. (laughs) This is true. Yeah, of all the things that these characters should know about life but don't, I'm going to put this, like, fairly low on the list. Okay, (laughs) sure. Okay, so after the credits, the firefighters have showed up in response to some kind of automated security alarm that I assume is tripped by their fire alarm. And then who shows up? But gosh darn Sheriff Valenti coming into the back door of their house. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, don't let him in. You don't have to let him in. Don't be polite. Just be like, please go away now. Everything's fine. Thanks for checking on us. Yeah. And the sheriff's default mode is interrogation. Like he gets there and he's like, is everyone okay? Great. Let me drill you on what happened. How high were the flames? Like, does that matter? You can see that they reached the ceiling. (laughs) Right. I got out my wooden yardstick while this fire was raging and I measured them for you, Sheriff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He just is just straight into the interrogation. Just can't let it go. No. And at this point, he has no reason to really be suspicious. Yeah, there was a kitchen fire. Like, kitchen fires happen. There was no, no reason for him to go over there in the first place other than he's just, yeah. like, nosy about the Evanses. Yeah. Which is why she should have just said, no, you can't come into my house. You don't need to be here. But, yeah, he jumps right into the interrogation. He's got all these questions. And then we cut to Max and Isabel. And Isabel is freaking out that Sheriff Valenti showed up again. And rightfully so. So Max says he's not sure if the sheriff was suspicious <laughs> of him. And I was like, "Are you? have you met him? Were you there? He was so very obviously suspicious. 
So I, maybe Max is just trying to keep Isabel from worrying too much, but she's like, uh, you're playing yeah. Counting Crows. She knows her Don't brother eat. very well, it turns out. It's cute, it is. I know, it's sweet. <laughs> and we also find out something that I think uh, speaks to her multiple dates, but not with the same dudes, where she says like she's cool with having a little fun, but she doesn't think they should get attached. Mm. So I think this is why she has one date Friday and then another date next Friday yeah. with a different dude. But like overall, she's very sensitive and she's very supportive of Max, knowing that he's going through this tough time, even though she doesn't approve of what he was doing, which is very nice. Unlike Max. So next we go to the crash down where mm-hmm. Liz is really over drying a glass. And I want to give some... I want to give a shout out here to whoever did the Foley work on this. There was, you could really hear that uh, towel on the glass there. Mm-hmm. Some nice squeaks, squeaks, squeaks. And Liz is, you know, really um, in denial, saying that she's totally okay and she's totally not. Also, did anyone else notice Liz and Maria are not wearing their aprons, which is like a very important part of their uniform? Both of them are missing their aprons in this scene. Maybe that's what's throwing Liz off, which is why she is giving people just the world's strongest coffee that has ever been brewed. And spilling coffee all over the place. Yeah. She's going to get demoted from that managerial position <laughs> if she doesn't shape up. That's right. Well, her parents shouldn't be making her manage anyway. No, they should not. She should be paying attention to her schoolwork. Which is something that I'll be talking about in our mini-sode next week, so make sure you tune in. Ooh. Nice. So speaking of school, we cut to a lovely school scene with Max and Michael. And uh, Michael does not share Max's concern for his mother's well-being. He's like, whatever, I don't care about that. Tell me what happened with the sheriff. I can't believe you did this to us again. Which like, uh, nah, no, this was fine. Yeah, this, I mean, what are you going to do? Let mom die? Let the whole house burn down, all of their items, in- including probably some, like, important yeah. drawings of hieroglyphs. I don't know. <laughs> and then Michael gets this line, adults are the enemy, Max. Remember that. I'm like, bro, you're 16. Like, huh? Are you going to be the enemy in a year or two? What's the thought process I feel here? like that this line very was kind of sad. It's like, I feel like that... It, that line was informed more by his experience as a foster child than as an alien. You know, he hasn't had many trustworthy adults mm-hmm. in his life. So, you know, he doesn't realize how adults can be supportive or helpful to him. Right. But I think it's like outsiders are the enemy because, I don't know, at 16, I feel like I was thinking of myself as more or less an adult or like adult adjacent, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I totally get what you're saying, Eliza. Yeah, I think he had some some serious traumas in his life. Also, before this even happens, Michael refers to Liz and Maria as like frickin' frack over there. Mm-hmm. And so I looked that up because I was like, what is frickin' frack? I know frack as a swear word from Battlestar Galactica. That is not the case here. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's great. It's like they can swear without swearing because they're like, this fracking ship. Anyway. Um, so Frick and Frack, I looked it up, <laughs> were two Swiss ice skaters who came to who came to the United States in 1937 and joined the original Ice Follies show as comedy ice skaters. So they were comedians on ice. Um, huh. What an obscure reference. I love it. <laughs> I don't know if any of their uh, shows were ever videotaped or anything um, or recorded. 
but I definitely would want to see that. Let's I, find some. When were they famous, Eliza? Uh, they came to the United States in 1937. So. so Michael was just flipping through the channels one day and came across a historical comedic ice skating presentation, and that's where he picked up this reference? I don't know if, if it's just like a saying that he has heard and maybe doesn't know the origin of, because I I think it's become like a colloquialism. Um, but the there was a Chicago Tribune article from 1990, which we can put in our show notes, um, that talked about Frick and Frack, and it was quite interesting. I'm sure he maybe did. Maybe Michael read that article. <laughs> or maybe the show's just written by a couple middle-aged white men. <laughs> Different references than teenagers. What? What are you talking about? So Frick (laughs) comes over and is like, hey, we all have seats at this basketball game together because everyone knows that high school basketball seats are assigned, as we clearly see later in the episode. Where would they even put the numbers? Freaking Frack over there. I thought the exact same thing. Come on, Liz. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. There are a few things in this episode that don't make any sense, Ugh. but we can get to the others later. I feel like that's just going to be my catchphrase for this entire series. It's just like, this doesn't make any gosh darn sense. Um, also, I didn't know that Kyle was on the basketball team. Wasn't he like on the football team or something before? This is like his winter sport. Or... Maybe he's on both? Seems like he probably yeah. just does all the sports. We saw him playing pickup basketball in Missing. He just doesn't seem like a basketball player to me. Seems more like a soccer player in terms of his demeanor. You know, it's like in high school, there were like different, the different uh, sports players were like different personality. They were like, you know, had different reputations. He seems like a soccer dude to me, but good for him for all the sports he plays. I feel like it's probably expected of him to be a man in the house. You have to show physical prowess. Play all the sports. He would totally have a, a balls poster in his room. Oh, yes, yes, he would. He would. <laughs> <laughs> like another man we know. We've we've seen his room. There was no balls posters. Oh, we've seen a couple but... different versions yeah, of his room. Yeah, depends which room. Maybe yeah, the next yeah, time we see thought. his room. Uh, he does have pictures of hot guys up in his room. Or, I'm sorry, I guess they're athletes, but they're really hot guys. <laughs> it's one and the same. Yeah, whatever. And then we get this little scene where Mrs. Evans is watching the home video that we realize is the clip from the beginning of this episode of Isabel and Max with these birds. And she's asking Isabel about Max and why he's so private all the time. And Isabel's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Everything's fine. (laughs) Max private. What? Yeah. That's he's always like that. You know that. And her hair looks perfect Mm -hmm. as usual. Her hair is stunning. Yes. So she's on her way to this basketball game that clearly has open seating and everyone could have just sat wherever they gosh darn pleased. Liz is super enthusiastically cheering for Kyle, which I guess is supposed to be her trying to make Max jealous. But I was just embarrassed for her. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Not as embarrassed as I was for Maria (laughs) when she was just distracted by cute boys and cheered for the wrong team. Uh, Whatever. (laughs) She's like, oh, I retract that woo. (laughs) Yes. Maria's cheering for attractiveness. Which, like, is just as reasonable as cheering for, I don't know, the person putting the ball in the hoop who goes to your school. Right. I mean, Michael thinks the whole thing is just like a silly human thing. Because Michael has nothing in common with humans. Um, side note on cute boys 
and athletics. There is a girl in my office who definitely built her fantasy football team in our league this fall based on attractiveness. I love that. How did she do? I don't know. I stopped. I literally stopped paying attention after the draft. Yeah. I don't even know how I did. <laughs> oh, you were part of it too? Yeah. It was mandatory. I oh. uh, I think I won one game as a fluke. Whoa. Aliza and I, listeners, you can't see this, but Aliza and I both just made the same horrified face <laughs> when Lorena said that she was required to do fantasy sports at work. I was like, I would have quit. Mandatory <laughs> fantasy sports? Um, I mean, we didn't have to buy in, though, so there was no money put in. If I'd had to mandatorily put money no, in, that's where I would have drawn the line. So Yeah, it sounds like it didn't really require much of you. No, I literally just, uh, it drafted and then I let it sit there for however many weeks it happened. What do we think about their mascot being the Comets? Do we see an actual mascot? No, 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 no. Our, oh, just their team name. Yeah. No, just the team yeah, name. Yeah, I was the... curious what their mascot would be. I wanted to see a person in a comet suit. I know. Just like a rock with like a, a tail of fire. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> would have been perfect. I know. It should be like the Martians or something. Have someone in an alien suit. Yeah, maybe it's their way of being like, there was no alien crash. It was just a comet that fell from the sky that night. Yeah. I don't think comets fall from the sky, right? Then No, they like stay in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one at Roswell seems to have a great grasp Yeah, they don't know things. Science, they don't so. know that you can't put water <laughs> on an oil fire. What is their public school education teaching them? Nothing. Well, they only have enough classrooms to fill that one single hallway. Yeah. So there's just not a this lot of true. learning going on at Well, they have an time. art room, a science room, a music room. A woodworking and... room all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. A wood shop. And an eraser room. Yeah. Yeah. The all important mm-hmm. eraser room. <laughs> yes. Also, it seems that anyone can become a teacher or a su- at least a substitute teacher, even if they don't know what the angles of a triangle add up to. So uh, it's it's 947, right? Yes. No, 948. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> At least in Miss Topolsky's defense, I'm sure the FBI forged documents for her to be yes, placed in the that's school true. there. One would so. hope. <laughs> One would hope that the FBI forged documents. <laughs> so that's what they, they do, they right? Do. <laughs> Secret agents? I mean, they had like magical, super fast DNA testing machines. So it stands to yes, reason that's true. that they could create a little teaching certificate. Anyway, so Isabel learns Max that their mom knows that something's off with him, but like he definitely should have realized that based on her behavior and the very obvious nature of what he has done. And then this is the first time where we get Isabel being like, yeah, we should just tell her. And Max being like, what? That's absurd. We could never, which goes on throughout the whole episode and I never understand it. Yeah, I mean, there's no evidence from the way that they've been treated by their mom that she would be anything less than fully loving and accepting of them, which Isabel sees. So why can't Max see that? Yeah, I know. They've grown up in the same household. With the same loving, doting mother, trustworthy mother. And it becomes even more apparent as the episode goes on that she is like already aware that there's something and she's totally fine with it and just wants to be able to support her children. And Max is like, she's monster. Like, what? 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 Okay. And it's interesting that there's really no talk about their dad. 
you know, in decisions, whether or not to tell their mom, they don't at all discuss the factor of like, well, if we tell her, she'll tell dad. And then that's right. two people knowing you like, they kind of act as mm-hmm. though they just have one parent. Yeah. Dad's just maybe away on business is their euphemism. Like he went out for smokes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And just never came back eating garlic. 24-7. Liz is oblivious <laughs> to all of this because she is still cheering on Kyle. She distracts him. He falls and clutches at his knee. Very clearly, yep. his, his knee. knee. <laughs> he hurt his knee, his knee, his knee, his knee, his knee, his knee. Cut to the crash down where we find out Kyle has broken his ankle. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, I thought this also, and so the second time I watched through, I did try and pay a little more attention. He's not completely clutching his knee he's kind of grabbing his leg behind his knee as if to like hold his leg in the air or assist in holding his leg in the air i'm just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here yeah i really like the benefit of the doubt i don't know if i would want like whatever like i've broken my foot i didn't want to touch it where it was broken i did however want to keep it off of the ground and keep it from touching anything else too so i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on this one he's just trying to hold his foot in the air and elevate it. Okay. I did also rewatch that because I really, it did not seem like he even looked at Liz when she called his name. Like, I really don't think yep. that she distracted him. He just got hurt playing a contact sport. Yep. Totally. I watched again. 100%. He was looking like in a different direction, not towards her. She's just super worried. Yeah. In any no case, reason. she puts on her cute little skirt and her knee high boots to take him some pie. And I think she looks like she wants to get a little flirty. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. And she's a single girl. Yes, yeah, she can do what she wants. But I also wonder if this was influenced by her seeing Max sitting there in the crash down and her being like, oh, maybe I'll take this pie to Kyle and tell Max all about it just because he might be interested and for no other reason. Yeah, he might want to know. He might want to pay Kyle a visit since they're such good buddies. So then we get this little scene of the sheriff again. Mrs. Evans, you do not have to let law enforcement inside of your home. No. Maybe you just should not as a general policy, especially when you do suspect that there's maybe something going on with your child. Don't invite the cops into your house. She doesn't seem to know a lot of things, so maybe she doesn't know that she can say no. But um, you heard it here, people. You don't have to let police into your house unless they have a warrant signed by a judge. I will put the ACLU's helpful Know Your Rights fact sheet in our show notes. <laughs> nice. For Very anyone useful. who wants to flyer the Evans's neighborhood for us. <laughs> <laughs> if there are any of you that live in New Mexico, go on over to Roswell. Let them know for us. Thanks. But Mrs. Evans is definitely suspicious of Valenti's suspicions mm-hmm. she is like what are you talking about and why are you talking to me about it yeah what are you even doing here Meh. also i find it unlikely that like a minor would be around a shooting or involved in a shooting the police have been looking for him and and investigating him and like wouldn't tell his parents or guardians it just it seems unlikely to me yeah that this would be the first she's hearing of yeah. it I mean, maybe Max wouldn't have said something to her about it, but as a minor, she should have been informed about it. Well, they didn't tell Liz or Alex's parents when they were arrested or at least detained in jail. So, you know, they're not 
awesome at their jobs or respecting people's constitutional rights, whatever. Just consistent (sighs) with our observation that the adults in Roswell are not good at their jobs, uh, including the police not following protocol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that Maria takes woodworking. Huh? Yeah. Is this a required class or? I mean, maybe she chose it as like, an art elective yeah. or some, you know, some sort of elective that she thought this would be more fun than some other option. I don't know. I could see her being more I into mean, photography than like woodworking. Yeah, maybe their school doesn't offer yeah. it. Maybe she was in that art class with Michael and then he wouldn't stop painting the dome and she was like, oh my God, I have to get out of here. And she just transferred <laughs> to woodworking. Fuck this. I'm taking woodworking. Yeah. Michael helpfully wanders in and starts a conversation with, you're doing it wrong. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. (laughs) I love when men come up to me and tell me that. Yeah, it's stellar. I must say, though, I love the way Michael looks here. He just looks so cute with his sweater. I love this look for him. The softer side of Sears. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I do like that sweater very much as well. But he uh, gets a little bit called out here by Maria, who's like, so I saved your life? And he's like, uh, yeah. And she's like, are you going to thank me? And he's like, oh. And it seems like he's sort of hearing what she's saying here. Although he doesn't really react in a meaningful or appropriate way yet. But he's taking it in. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a thing with Michael is like, he's all defensive. And then when he takes time to process something, he'll like be more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. That speech was great of Maria to kind of let him know how she was feeling, but she should have started with it. Cause first she's just like mad at him for talking to her. And then he walks away and she's like, Oh, well, you're walking away. So it's like, he can't talk to her, but he can't walk away. But you know, emotions. Oh, I kind of feel her on that. Cause I feel like when you're pissed with someone, you're just like waiting for them to hopefully realize they were in the wrong. And you're just like, Hey dude, all right, I don't want to talk to you right now. And he should be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I actually, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for saving my life. Like, he yeah. should have realized on his own she shouldn't have to tell him these things. This is right. definitely not related to That's any true. issues I have in my own relationship. Oh. No. <laughs> <sighs> uh, speaking of issues, I have a serious issue with location manager Greg Lazaro, who was listed in the end credits for this. So that's the person that I am choosing to blame for the Valentis having moved house again. again. <laughs> this looks like they've gone back to the house where they shared Ben and Jerry's. No, it's a different house. See, Are you I sure? I feel like maybe it's a different room in one of those houses. What if it's like he's it, in the basement? She comes in through the front door and there's a window to the yard that has light coming through it. No, but that could happen in a basement. These are all living rooms. We see three different living rooms. Do they have a compound where they live? (laughs) Maybe they have, like, couches and TVs in different rooms. How rich are they? Uh, You know, a a sheriff's salary. They live in uh... three different houses and he redecorates his room every week? Come on. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. It's not great. Greg Lazaro, if you're listening to this, please call me because I don't want to just insult you. Maybe there's a great reason for this that I don't know about. Please tell us narratively in universe what is happening with the Valenti's living situation. Okay. And that ends Lisa's rant for today. (laughs) Well, at least my rant about that. I'll rant about other things later. Yeah, don't. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, So any guesses on what Kyle was watching? 
at the start of this scene because when it first started no but he changed it quickly whatever it was he did it was a woman's voice saying hang up hang up hang up hang up and then when liz walked in he changed it to like some game show sports maybe he was watching sally jesse Raphael. no because he does love sally jesse yeah that's probably what it was liz brought kyle notes did y'all notice which class she brought him notes on it was very subtle no, I didn't. She brought him ethics notes. Oh. She thought he might need them for the midterm. They're like so subtle, you guys. I never took an ethics class. I don't think my school even had an ethics class. No, high schools don't have ethics classes. What? Come no, on. I took ethics senior year of high school. In high school? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was like a social studies elective. It's like we took yeah. history up until senior year. Then we got to pick like, I don't know. It was like ethics and some other social science We had to things. take I don't know. government and economics my senior year. Eliza, did ethics fit thematically with what you had going on in your life, that particular episode of the TV show that you were in? Yes, of course, it did. Very much applied. <laughs> I'm just surprised she didn't bring Max some psych notes later on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, Kyle's kind of a jerk here. Liz really didn't do anything wrong. And she brought him an entire pie. And he's just like, I don't want to talk to you. Go away. Well, it's true, though. He doesn't have to talk to her. I yeah, I didn't find it rude. I actually Uh, I felt like as someone who has badly broken an ankle um, and like, I don't know how badly his is broken, but like I had surgery. It was traumatic and and awful. And like, I feel like he is entitled to to say especially because she kind of showed up with no warning without an invitation i think it's fair for him to say like i don't want to talk about it and i don't you know i kind of want to be alone right now he could have said it a little better but i do feel like he's in the yeah. right to to say that yeah no i think my issue was with how he approached it he could have been like thanks for the pie but i actually really want to be alone right now if you'd like yeah. to come over another time call first and we'll talk about it Okay, bye. Please feel free to visit the other 14 buildings on this compound on your way out. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in this living room. You can you can go hang out in one of our other seven living rooms if you want. If we all communicated with each other the way Lisa wishes the world communicated with each other, the world would get along a lot better. Yeah, so then we go from the Valentis to the Evanses where it's late at night and Max is like painting and his mom comes into the kitchen. Shouldn't you clean the ceiling before you paint over the smoke? I don't know how this works. I think that there is a specific process for painting over burned things. Yeah. I also wonder, like, I guess there wasn't huge damage or anything, but they should do something for their insurance, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Nah. And like get someone out to look and make sure there wasn't any structural damage. Like, I know it was a quick nah. fire, but you never know. You don't want your roof collapsing on you. <laughs> Lorena's just like, no, or, put a Band-Aid on it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boop. Slap a white construction over paper over it. Call it a day. <laughs> just printer yes. paper will do the job. It's white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just some, some like toilet paper. Some scotch tape. <laughs> um, some Mod Podge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do a little collage up there. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't like the way that his mom like goaded him in this scene. She's like, tell me again, Max, how it happened. Just so that she could contradict him and be like, but water doesn't work. She's like, tell me again. But she she knows what happened. She should just I, come up to him and say that. 
Yeah, but I think she wanted to give him the chance to be like, oh, I thought it over, and I trust you, mother, who has only ever shown me love and support. Yeah. And instead, he's just like, I did water. And she's like, aha! But she's much nicer about it. I would have been like, aha! (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this isn't isn't how grease fires work. If anyone ever um, is faced with a grease fire, you can put baking soda on it. Uh, you can try to smother it, but don't put water on it. It will, in fact, make it worse. Or, yeah, just keep I, a fire extinguisher a, in yeah, your kitchen. Yeah, fire extinguisher also will work because it smothers it. But also, if it's too big, just leave the space and call 911. Yeah, that too. You are more important than your home. Yes. But, yeah, if you can, definitely smothering is the way to go. Right. But if not, take your pets and get out of there. Yes. And then Isabel comes home. And if it's so late yeah. that, like... Mom is surprised that Max is up painting at this hour of the night, but she's not surprised that Isabel is just coming home. Like, don't they have a curfew? Like, she's just like, oh, hey, honey. She's not like, what are you doing out so late? Like, where where the heck were you in the middle of the night? Maybe Isabel worked it out with her ahead of time. Yeah, it's true. I just wrote in my notes, well, I guess Isabel doesn't have a curfew. (laughs) It's like, it's late. Maybe mom saw her in that fabulous, like, zebra print coat and was like, you were clearly on a date. Good for you, honey. Get it. Enjoy your teenage years. I know. This is not the first time we've seen her in animal print going to a date. And I'm Everybody looks good in animal print. Everybody. Yeah. I love it. And this is our first real Isabel standing up for herself moment, which I appreciate. And she says, we can't just do a max on this thing. We can't just sit back and passively watch. And I was like, ooh, ooh. ooh. Max might need that fire extinguisher after all. (laughs) (laughs) Burn. And then Max, they just want to, like, pack up and leave in the middle of the night? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really thinking so clearly yeah and isabel is really starting to have a tough time with this and she tells max like the relationship between a mother and a daughter is different which yeah i understand that and now she's upset there's an escalation they're not just hiding who they are from their mother they're actively lying to her and it's really it's clearly really hard for her and max is just like whatever it's just us against the world and i again i don't understand why he would have any reason to think that they can't trust their mother with this secret especially because she clearly already knows something is going on and she's clearly like in anguish about not understanding what's happening with her kids i feel very badly for mrs evans and like knowing that they're lying to her you know like the way they the way that max responds isn't like oh there's nothing. What do you mean? You know, it's like he he is acting like he is keeping something from her and he just can't talk to her about it. Um, He's so, bad at lying. Yeah. So she knows there's something. What's new? So, yeah, I do. I feel for her, too, knowing that her kids are keeping something from and her. And then we get Isabel with maybe my favorite use of her powers. Oh, my God. She's just magicking different lipstick colors onto her mouth, which is amazing. I must save her so much money on makeup. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's like... I I agree. This is like my favorite use of powers. I really wish I had this power. Also, if it if 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 it was just putting color on her, like changing the color of her lips, then it wouldn't smudge all day. It wouldn't come off if you're like eating a greasy thing or kissing someone. It's just I I'm very jealous. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, she's changing her lipstick color, but she could literally just change her lip color. Yeah. To be the color of whatever lipstick she wants. How amazing. That's genius. 
Oh, she'd be so great at costuming for Mardi Gras. Oh my gosh. Let's invite her. <laughs> so then we get this little exchange where mom's asking Isabel about before they were adopted, and Isabel says she doesn't remember much. And then they get into a little bit of the story, and they were at the orphanage for a while, and I'm wondering who picked them up on the side of the road? Who took yeah. them to the orphanage? How long were they there? How did this adoption process work with the Evanses? Right, I thought their parents were the ones who found them in the desert. That's what had been implied previously, I yeah. think. But they could have found them in the desert, done the right thing, brought them to an orphanage. Nobody's mm -hmm. claiming them. And then they said, well, we want these kids that we found and went through an adoption process. That's kind of what I pictured happening. Like, you can't just yeah, find kids sense. on the side of the road and not try and report it or find who they belong to. So they, like, took them probably to the authorities who took them to an orphanage. And then when nobody claimed them, I'm sure they just adopted right. them. Like, you have to go through the proper channels for Right, that. you gotta, right. like run their things and see if they have microchips and stuff yeah check for a chip <laughs> yeah god but no blood work no 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 right absolutely not <laughs> so isabel says that she remembers the orphanage and what she most clearly remembers is the day that their parents came to adopt them and she says to her mom you were wearing this yellow sweater and i remember thinking that it looked like the sun that you were like the sun and I was Made just like, me cry. <laughs> so sweet. It's so beautiful. And then she says, that's when our lives began. Mm -hmm. It's so sweet. <laughs> I'm like, just tell her, just tell her now. Yeah. I don't even think she's saying it to try and like put off her mom's uh, suspicions and like as a ploy to like bring on the tears. Like, I feel like that's really how she feels yeah. about it. And it's so sweet. Totally. It's funny because I totally felt differently about that. I felt like she was like making up something to appease her mom to have her stop asking. You know, like I thought that her whole thing about the sun was like cheesy and a diversion tactic. Like I, you know, I thought like Katherine Heigl is such a good actress um, and Isabel is not. And you can like, oh, interesting. you know, that Isabel was kind of making this up is the way I saw mm. it. I thought she was genuine about it. And she was just kind of torn because she knew that Max didn't trust this person who means so much to her. Yeah. Like she is her, Isabel sees Mrs. Evans as her mother and it yeah. seems like Max maybe doesn't or doesn't in the same way. And so I thought that's where that kind of, I don't know, whatever emotions were going on in her was from being like, I thought she genuinely felt this way, but was like, torn her loyalties to her mom versus her loyalties to Matt. Yeah, I mean, that does make total sense and is consistent with, you know, her wanting to tell her mom and yeah. being emotional and, about but it. But it could be either because Katherine Heigl plays things so well that there's she really does. interpretation. She's so good. And that's why she's had a long and successful career mm -hmm. for the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And then Maria is eating lunch with her napkin holder to keep her company. <laughs> and Michael walks over and his introduction in this scene, his first line is interesting. <laughs> he just walks over to her and says, interesting. It's like, okay, how about like, hey. Well, he's also mad at her for pointing out that he should maybe be grateful to the people who saved his life. He's like, I'm not going to apologize or feel indebted. I'm like, but you are indebted? And yeah. like, I don't think Maria was being like, I saved your life. Now you owe me and you're going to do me all these favors forever. She was just like, dude, acknowledge that I did something nice for you. Yeah. Some consideration. 
Um, and I do think that his clothes here are also great. I love his style. <laughs> I love Maria's sassy little, you know, you should get yourself massive doses of therapy, like, immediately. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> they all need therapy. They've been through some harrowing experiences. They need some therapy. Yeah. And so he's going to magic her wood thing for her. And she's like, no, it's cheating. You can't just wave your hand over a problem and make it go away. Which is something that all of these characters should keep in mind forever and always. Unless it's a grease fire. And then, yes, please wave your hand over it and make it go away. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. But then, like, have a better story to cover it up. No kidding. And then Michael is like, oh, okay, this conversation isn't going well. Let me insult your entire species. Good move. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part about this scene, though, is uh, Maria says something about, like, can't you try and be like a normal human being? Oops. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. But, yeah. Give I actually misspoke because I wrote both of them in my notes as M. So it wasn't Michael insulting her species. It was Maria insulting oh. his species. Oh, Got M it. and M. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> They're all M's. Yeah. I took my notes longhand, so I was trying to abbreviate, but now it's just M does this and M does that. And then M comes along and does this other thing. Too many M's. Uh, so then we get a crash down scene where Liz has grown some empathy for what she put Kyle through only because a similar thing has happened to her with Max. That's the only way mm -hmm. that she can understand that maybe she didn't treat Kyle very well. <sighs> but Teenagers. Kyle has come around a little bit too, and he's like, no, you were pretty straight with me, and I didn't want to listen, and I didn't want to let it go, and I kept pushing. So they're finally on the same page with each other, and maybe they can be friends. Um. Do you guys remember that one week when Kyle had a girlfriend? Whatever happened to poor oh, Vicky? Yeah. Was she just um, like he treated her yeah. like crap and yeah, and she went away. Had her like topless in a in the back of a truck and didn't really care about her. So good and for her. And called other leaving. people's attention to it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. I would like a little short explanation of Kyle being like, and then Vicky left me because I was such a jerk, and I learned to grow from that. But instead, yeah. he learned from <laughs> Sally Jesse. <laughs> sure that works too uh, you know i do i like this little exchange between them where liz is like oh you know i wasn't aware that this was part of your repertoire and kyle's like me neither who knew i could be decent <laughs> who knew i could be a nice human being if i could take a moment to talk about that line those lines she says i wasn't aware that was part of your repertoire yeah and he actually says i didn't either yeah i noticed that didn't what I wasn't aware. I'm. I wasn't either. It's like in Buffy when Spike says, "I'll be back," and when I do, it's like, "No, no." When I am, just See, be consistent with your verbs, people. I thought maybe this was an <laughs> editing issue where they like pulled her line from one take where she said something slightly different, and then pulled his line where he was like maybe reacting to something slightly different. Maybe it was yeah. a writing issue. Maybe it was an editing issue. Who knows? I hope so. In any case, Sally Jesse Raphael's show, y'all, ran from 1983 to 2002. I had no idea it was wow. on that long. Yeah. That's a long time. And she, I uh, Wikipedia'd her, and she was famous for her trademark red eyeglasses, which she has said she initially got from a doctor after she broke the pair she was going to wear to an interview or a, a filming of something. And so she just, like, quickly found a pair uh, from a doctor who was doing free eyeglasses with every pap smear. <gasps> 
What? A, a guy, a optometrist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Does no. not seem like a thing, but okay, because everyone who has a vagina also has bad eyesight, right? So what? Mm, oh sounds fun. Anyway, she's now eighty-four years old and still kicking. Whoa! Nice, yeah. nice. Way to go, so, Sally. Stay healthy, Sally. Yeah, we're rooting for you. Keep up with your pats, pap smears, and your optometry appointments. <laughs> Keep You'll giving teenage boys a little bit perspective with your episodes on is on a rampage yeah uh so we get to a point where kyle's like maybe we can be friends and liz is like we can work towards that and it's very cute and also kyle kyle gets another fun line i was hoping for something high in both fat and cholesterol and lacking any inherent nutritional value (laughs) (laughs) you've come to the right place as we know they have like the brownie blast off hot fudge sundae and just massive amounts and the of pie. Che- the cheese basket or whatever. What's it called? The Well, the Redskins oh. basket, which yeah. hopefully is off the menu now. Yeah. But probably not because she's been trying to get it removed oh. without actually doing anything. So Max, though, happens upon this happy scene and is like, oh, how dare she? And storms off, which like it's fine that he doesn't want to see his ex potentially flirting with someone else. But like, whatever, Max, it's none of your business. You broke up with her. Like, that's what happens. Yeah, you said that you couldn't be together. Like, it's not like she broke up with you and moved on. Like, you told her no. So you don't get to be that upset about it. I also thought it was funny when, just going back to his request for foods low in any nutritional value, her response being like, oh, well, right here on the menu is our fatty section. (laughs) And I really appreciated that because many menus have like a... Heart healthy. Yeah. Like a lighter yeah. section where everything's steamed, but like sometimes you want to go out and just indulge. So I like the idea of having a fatty section, which I'm sure she was joking about, but it's a funny idea. It's very cute. And then once again, gosh darn it, Mrs. Evans, just because the sheriff calls and says, will you come into my office, doesn't mean you have to go. You can say, no, no, thank you, sheriff. I would not like to do that. Here's my lawyer's number if you have anything you'd like to discuss. Otherwise, have a great day. Bye. But she does go to the sheriff's office, where he shows her a police report of the incident at the crash town from many a month ago. Including uh, witness testimonies from, as he says, you know, witnesses lacking credibility. So why? Why does their uh, testimony matter? So why bring it up? But also, I think maybe as a police officer, you're not supposed to show random people police reports. For an ongoing investigation? It doesn't seem like they've caught either of the suspects, or at least we haven't heard about it if we did, who were actually involved in the shooting. So presumably this is an ongoing investigation, and he's just like, you want to see our files? Check them out. (laughs) Just because you're the mother of someone that we know did not shoot anybody, who may have helped. Also, she is so clueless. Her response to him when he's like, and then they reported that they saw someone stand over her, put their hand, and then she was healed. And the mom goes, who? It's like, but, but really? That's, you, don't, you didn't make the connection yet? So I thought that she was deliberately playing it dumb because she oh. had this in her mind about like, oh, I saw Max heal a pigeon. So yeah, she asked like, oh, are you trying to tell me my son has some kind of healing powers? Like, it's so ridiculous. But Mm. I thought maybe she was actually doing that because she 
didn't want to let on to the sheriff that she suspected the same thing. Yeah, I just saw her as clueless, but I don't have, I don't know. Who knows? I don't have a lot of faith in in, uh, Diane Evans these days. (laughs) I'll I'll keep an open mind. I'll give her a second chance. And Max is in his bedroom. Is he listening to more Counting Crows again? I don't know, but he's he's bummed. And how convenient it is that their mom is so into home videos and photos of their youth. Just uh, really comes in handy for yeah, the plot. Yeah, but I like that she is trying to let him know that she already knows his secret. She loves him, and she wants him to be able to tell her what the secret is. Like, again, I think there's this coming out parallel where it's she's trying to mm-hmm. be like, I know who you are. I love who you are. I love you no matter what. I love you, you know. Whatever secrets you have will never change the way that I feel about you. So I hope that you can trust me enough to tell me your secrets. And he's like, screw you, ma'am. And I was just like, oh, oh, poor Mrs. Evans. She's doing all the right things. She's saying all the right things. And she just yeah, wants to know her child. Really and which is not to say like and anyone's under him. any obligation to come out before they're ready. But I think in this case, like, I would have liked Max to at least show a little more empathy for what she's going through here. Because she is going through something. Yeah, and feeling like, you know, if if it is what you said in that last scene, that she was kind of uh, playing dumb to protect him, you know, it's it's affecting her and she wants to be able to support and protect him. That, you know, having more information about what's going on would help her to help mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and he's like, you're supposed to be my mother. You're not supposed to investigate us. And it's like, what? What are you talking? She's trying to get to know you. That's what a mother does, Max. Come on. Um, and, and here is where he is not doing a good job of uh, hiding this, because instead of saying, like, I don't know what you're talking about, there's nothing to talk about. He's like, I can't talk about this with you. Yeah. Implying mm-hmm. that there is something to talk about. Right. He just won't. And then they go to a quarry. Is that what this is? We have not seen this location before. Somewhere in the desertiness. But yeah. There's like a like sheared off rock formations. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It looks like some kind of small okay. canyon. Isabel has a car now. It's this like goldish, bronzish sedan. Maybe she took mom's car. Maybe. Or dad's, because he's not in the picture. Yeah, dad's out of town. Yes. <laughs> While he's on his quote-unquote business trip. <laughs> uh-huh. While he's and on so location. And so again, we get this thing where we know Michael is wary of non-blood family because of his experiences in foster care but there's no reason for max to also be untrusting and yet he really is yeah absolutely and i just want to take a second to say something that we all know to be true that was like maybe questioned in this scene but you do not have to have the same dna as someone to be their family and to be their relative we all know this to be true but Michael. So this is another moment where Isabel gets to stand up for herself and she's like, Max, would you let me speak for myself, please? And I was just like, yeah, Isabel, you tell him. But she still just ends up going along with what he wants. And poor Michael doesn't think that there's any such thing as unconditional love. Oh, Oh, Bubba. I know. That makes me so sad. It is really sad. And he doesn't believe in it because he hasn't experienced it, except from Max and Isabel. Um, and I don't think they really verbalize the love they have yeah. for each other. Yeah. 
It's a bummer. And Isabel again stands up to Max. She's like, stop speaking to me like that. And Max is like, what are you doing? And she's like, like, you're the final word on everything. And I'm like, we'll show him that he's not the final word. Like, don't just go along with what he's doing. I started to feel in this episode, like Max is uh, kind of emotionally abusive towards Mm -hmm. Isabel, at least kind of towards Michael. He is towards Liz a little bit as well. And she calls him on it uh, a few scenes after this. It's like, he's just like very controlling. It's like a very bad look on him. I don't, I don't like it. It reminded me too much of some, uh, you know, bad fellows out there. I feel like this is a popular trope in TV and media in general. Yeah, I I feel like with him, it's a big, um, like also a lack of self-awareness. You know, he is clearly dealing with a lot and is having trouble managing his emotions and like really doesn't realize the way he's treating other people because of that. Um, And his feelings are valid, but his actions, the way he's treating other people are not. So I think it's that thing where it's like, uh performing masculinity in our society means being really assertive and aggressive not acknowledging the sources of your feelings but just like plowing ahead and doing whatever you think you have to do and not caring what anyone else thinks and like he doesn't get calls on it beyond Isabel being like oh no don't do that and then just letting it happen so I wish that it were more called out as like hey this is actually not okay and then Max says Michael's right she's not our mother we're alone here we always will be I'm like screw you Max adoptive parents are parents just the same as anyone else like what are you this is no no and he he knows that they are his family come on Ugh. Yeah, that was and really upsetting. And it's not like he had the same experience where like they were in the foster system for a long time and this is some family that they just got placed with recently. Like They've been living with these people for almost their whole lives. They don't remember anything really before then. So like for all of their existence that they remember, these loving parents have been there for them and he's like, she's not our mom. Like, what? Ugh. Yeah. Mm-mm. I mean, it makes me angry and it also makes me sad that he would... That he, that he would feel so lost that he would be able to feel that mm-hmm. way. You know, so unsure of who he is and where he comes from. That, like, the parents that have cared for him, who he knows love him, uh, he doesn't even feel safe with. I think you it's had sad. a little more empathy for him here than I did. Because I was just like, <laughs> screw you, Max. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm also <laughs> mad at him. But like I said, I, I do think his feelings are valid. Um, he just needs to be more aware of the way he's treating yes, other absolutely. people. Michael becomes a little more aware of his treatment of other people when we find out at school that he has left Maria a finished napkin holder in her locker with a note of thanks. And it's a beautiful napkin holder. It's so well made. And he's waiting for Maria to get out of Woodshop and he is standing next to a poster extolling the virtue of doing random acts of senseless kindness. Because just in case you didn't get the message, y'all, from the (laughs) ethics notes to the kindness poster, we're doing a theme. Gotta love that shy bad boy trope. Mm -hmm. I certainly do. You have to love it. (laughs) I'm like, no, not at all. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But Aliza can love it. Yeah, I do love it. Aliza doesn't have to love it. Aliza can love it. (laughs) Um, I do love it in fictional works 
Like, if there were someone in real life like him, no, no, I would not love that. But uh, problematic favorites, you know? And so we find out that Maria flunked her project, and Michael's like, what? I worked on that. And he's describing all the ways that he made it. It's very cute. And then I'm wondering, do y'all think, I think it's some combination of these things, but do you think Maria didn't use his project more because she felt like it was cheating and it wouldn't be right, or more because she just wanted to keep it because it was it had sentimental value for her? I am not sure I have an answer to that. I mean, I think she did it because of the sentimental value, just because of the way that she says it. But like, I kept it. And the music's like, da, 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 da. But, but would um, you not get to keep your project it, after you made it? Like once it gets graded, wouldn't you get it back? The teachers don't keep it. You get yeah. it back. You get to keep your project. I feel like she doesn't want to cheat on it, even though, you know, she also wants to keep the one Michael gave her because it's sweet. But I think she also just does not want to cheat on it. Yeah, I really respect that about her. Yeah. And it seems like things are going well between them. And then Michael opens his gosh darn mouth. <laughs> I know. I gotta be uh. like stone wall. Man, you make me feel human. Ew, gotta go. I know it started out so sweet. And then he's like, his whole thing about being destined to be alone. He doesn't want to feel yeah, human. Yeah, he's like, if if something else happens again next time, just let me die. Like, what? Yeah. What? So extreme. Okay. Cool. Great. And then we head back to the crashdown where Max shows up and thinks that Liz and Kyle are obviously getting back together because he saw them talking together one time. And also thinks that he needs to give Liz permission to do what she wants to do. And it's her turn to be like, no, 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 no. Listen up, Max. I don't need your permission for anything because I'm actually like a human being who can make her own decisions. Like I'm a full person, even though I'm a little lady, I could still make choices for myself. And he's like, what? Yeah. I love Liz in this scene, just like standing up to him and being like, you know, no, you are wrong about this. You know what your problem is? You know, you put everything on your own shoulders. And she like, really, she really digs into him in a way that he really yeah. needed to hear. Yeah. She is now the second young woman to tell him that he is being controlling, which seems like, like you said earlier, if multiple people are telling you this, maybe you should do a little bit of self-reflection and think about mm-hmm. how you need to change in order to better respect the people around you. Right. He's just like, you sound like Isabel. It's like, yes, if they're both telling you the same thing. Maybe it's because it's true. Yeah, really. It's not a not a problem and with Liz, them. And I think, frames this very nicely in a way that maybe will be easier for him to hear, where she's like, hey, you need to have some faith in the people around you, where what I heard was, hey, dummy, you're not the only competent one. Other people are just as smart and capable as you are. Yeah. We're all in this together. You have people who can help you, people who care about yeah. you. And, like, you're not the leader. You're not in charge. We can all make decisions together. You, It's... It's not your job, it's not your responsibility, but it's also not your right to make these decisions for everyone. Yeah. Right. I feel like it's it's both of those things. Like she was, you know, saying this stuff to him because she was mad, but also uh, that he needed to hear it for himself. That like you don't have to put this all on yourself. Like mm-hmm. not only are you an asshole to everyone when you put it on yourself, but also like the the stress and unhappiness that you're feeling right now, you don't have to feel that. Let other people do stuff too. Yeah, Delegate. absolutely. So then we go to a scene that has some of my least favorite dialogue in this episode so by stupid. far. 
first of all, this is an adult woman just sitting on a bench watching young children play, which like, like oh, <laughs> creepy. But then Max shows up and Mrs. Evans asks him, have you ever thought about trying to find your real parents? And then goes on, I've been thinking maybe there's a reason why you can't talk to me. Maybe you need real parents for that. I'm like, listen, I have known many parents in my life who have adopted children. They are real parents. Catherine Heigl has adopted children, and I cannot imagine her or any other parent being like, I'm just a fake parent because we're not blood related. This, I was so mad. I couldn't pay attention to the scene because I was so mad that these stupid writers put this in here. What is this? Yeah. That's not what it's called. Biological parents. Yeah. Blood parents. Whatever you want to say. Birth parents. Yeah. Not but a real. not real parents. Right. No parent ever refers to themselves as not a real parent just because they didn't give birth to someone. Come on. Ugh. Yeah, that was very weird. Both she said it and Max yeah. said it. Yeah. It was, it was weird. And, like, it would have been really insulting if Max had just said it, but then she says it too, and then it totally took me out of it because I was like, look, I cannot, I just can't believe it. Like, this is such bad writing. It's not just Max being a jerk. It's the writers, like, not understanding how family works. And in this scene, we see what the episode is named after, right? We see this toy house, um, which seemed to be such an irrelevant, arbitrary item that, like, yes. why was the episode named yeah, after? Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It also, they could have named it something else. It seems else. like not something that you would do when you're trying to get your child to adjust to life in your home to be like, here's something that will magically transport you somewhere else. This does, This is not a good coping mechanism. Right. Also, so this directly contradicts the story that Max just told to Liz in the last episode, The Balance, where he is like, Isabel cried every night for three years because Michael wouldn't come with us. In this, Max yeah. is like, Isabel was fine. I cried all the time. You're like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's no consistency <laughs> okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then there's this thing where Max is like, oh, please don't ever think that you're not enough. And then the mom is like, oh, nothing you are could ever turn me away from you. I love you and you're my son. Do you understand that? And I'm like, well, he doesn't understand that because no one in this show understands how family works. You're all contradicting each other and saying you're not his real parent. Whatever. But it's very nice. Like, again, she's saying all the right things. She's like, you're my son. Can you please just talk to me about what's going on with you? I will always support you. And he's just like, uh, if you ask me about this again, I'm going to leave. No! Extreme. It's, well, it's like, <laughs> crap, you don't give someone you love an ultimatum. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, this scene was definitely my least favorite in the episode. Yeah, yeah it's really bad. Then they head back to the desert where Isabel is crying and it's breaking my fucking heart. Oh my God. Incredible acting by Katherine Heigl here. Like you can see it in her face. Her face says it all that like she understands it, but she's totally heartbroken. Yeah, and I really think she should just go tell her mom and talk to her about this. Like Max is so controlling. Again, I feel like he's showing some of the hallmarks of someone who's emotionally abusive. He's keeping Isabel in line with what he wants. And she, uh She's just, like, so devastated. It's awful. And this uh, song that's playing is the same Counting Crows song that Max was listening to in his bedroom when Uh. Isabel was like, you only listen to this when you're really sad. And now she's really sad. And they're listening to the song, Amy Hit the Atmosphere. It's like it is heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking. And I agree. She should just tell her. She has the right to. I mean, 
Max told Liz, and Liz is a random person that he, like, saw in a dress when she was little. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, this is their mother. She has the right. It's her secret, too. And, like, in the last scene, Max had begged their mom to trust him, but, like, he didn't show her any trust at all. And I think he's doing the same thing with Isabel, where he's like, trust me to make these decisions. But he doesn't trust her when she says, like, I actually know stuff, too. And I know how our mom would react. And I know that she loves us and supports us. And, like, she literally just spent an afternoon telling you all of these things. So, like, let's just do this together. And he's like, nah, nah, not doing it. Whatevs. Move on. Like, ah, come on, Max. <sighs> Well, I guess that brings us to the end of this episode what with bummer. Isabel crying and us being mad at Max. I know, there should be a rule that they cannot end episodes with Catherine Heigl crying because it's just too emotionally upsetting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my big takeaways from this episode were Catherine Heigl is a very good actor and Max needs therapy. Yeah. yeah. So does Michael. Michael too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But really, I mean, Max is really struggling. Michael's at his baseline, <laughs> you know, loner dumb. Michael just needs someone to, like, really care for him. Yeah. And to let that person in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they do. Yeah. Because Maria cares for him. Max already has that and just can't see it for some reason. Or can't accept yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Unless it's Liz, because she's pretty and he likes to smooch her. Mm. Um, well, shall we move on to our hot and saucy picks for the day? Mmm, let's do yeah. it. Now let's see who's hot and saucy. Saucy. Um, Lisa, who's your pick for hot and saucy? I had a joint pick for this episode. I'm gonna pick the ladies of roswell for standing (laughs) up to the crappy men of roswell so i appreciated isabella is both telling max off and then i appreciated maria telling michael off because those two gents very much need to be put in their place i am actually in the same boat as you i was trying to decide which of those moments i liked the best for sauciness and confidence in women which is hot and uh i couldn't really decide which one so i'm gonna side with you for the women of roswell against the men of roswell i also did have one spot in my notes where i just wrote isabel red sweater So clearly I was thinking about that. (laughs) I honestly, I was going to say the same thing as you guys. You know, I feel like there were so many opportunities. It's like when Liz spoke up to Max, when Isabel did Maria's whole speech about like, I saved your life and you didn't thank me. All of it. It was so good. So I think we're all on the same page here. Girl power. Girl power's hot. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. All right. Then let's move on to Lisa's predictions. So based on the next episode title, which is Into the Woods, what do you see happening next for our heroes and heroines? A musical extravaganza. (laughs) That's my hope, but probably not. For anyone who doesn't know, there's a very famous Sondheim musical called Into the Woods. There was a movie about it with Meryl Streep and a bunch of other people. So we'll be talking about that. <laughs> no, but if if Meryl Streep is in a movie, it's described as Meryl Streep and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that follows the SAG guidelines on how to discuss Meryl Streep. 
Got it. I, for many years, my uh, my religion on Facebook was listed as Meryl Streep. Yes. I worship her. She's incredible. Yeah, she is. So my, my more plot-related predictions are that there will be basically no consequences for Max because he's a straight white male. Um, I think Kyle maybe is moving towards becoming part of the gang, which might cause some friction with Max. And I would love to hear more about their poor mom, but I feel like she's just going to get, like, swept off to the sidelines to suffer in silence. I am hoping that we get more episodes with no voiceover. Oh, I yeah. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, there was I no was like, diary voiceover. Oh, yeah. yeah, no intrusive Liz telling us, you know, here's the theme of this scene in case you didn't get it. Yes. Dear Science, my name is Liz Parker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us for our episode on fire safety, where we discussed safe ways to put out a grease fire. We'll be back Tuesday, January 21st with season one, episode 12, Into the Woods. But next Tuesday, January 14th, We'll be back with a mini-sode where we're going to do a mid-season check-in and share our New Year's resolutions for the Roswell characters. In the meantime, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And those ratings and reviews really do mean a lot, so we would appreciate it if you could drop one our way. Our website is at roswellhotsauce.com where you can find bios and show notes about every episode. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, sharing photos and all sorts of fun stuff at Roswell Hot Sauce. And if you want to get in touch with us for questions or comments about things that we've discussed, feel free to send us an email at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt, and our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time, we want to say to all of you, Please don't ever think that you're not enough.